Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. That is Marty Smith's America, not Marty's Miss America podcast. This is volume 44, a tremendous show for you guys this week. I We just completed the show, and I am laughing my face off still. Travis is too. We're wiping tears out of our eyes because we had the great, great blessing of chatting with former Indianapolis Colts punter, Pat McAfee, who has turned into a media superstar. The guy is hilarious in so many ways. His perspective cracks me up. He's a brilliant storyteller that will – I mean, I'm serious. You guys better be careful because there's potential that you could pee your pants. He's that funny. Right, Travis? He's that funny. I was laughing uncontrollably here as we're doing this interview. This is kind of how the Marty Smith America podcast works. We do the interview with the subject, and then we go back and tape the beginning part and the end part and all of those types of things. And Travis had Travis and I had to wait a minute because we had to compose ourselves. We were laughing so hard, and here momentarily, you will see see why. Pat is a he is a hilarious dude. If you guys don't follow Pat on Twitter, get on it right now because. As I like to say about my seventh grade haircut, it's a cornucopia of bad decisions. Pat's Twitter feed is a cornucopia of hilarity. The guy's just funny. And yes, cornucopia is the greatest word in the English language. I think at this point, when you look that word up, it just should have a photo of you. Like that's your word. Cornucopia. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think there should be one of those little bit emojis of me coming out of a cornucopia and I could just use that as my icon. And not only can't I wait for you guys to hear my conversation with Pat, I cannot wait for you guys to hear my conversation with this week's appetizer. You talk about a Marty party. This here is a Marty party. A lot of you guys are Price is Right fans. A lot of you guys probably saw this moment. Jeffrey had a showcase that was practically built for him. Yeah! A blender, a motorcycle, and a trip to Thailand. You bid $22,119. Actual retail price, $22,616. Wow. $34,470 are the prizes. Remember, he also won on the wheel. Hey, uh, just lost his shoe. That is Jeffrey, the human mud flap. He of the greatest perm mullet I have ever witnessed in my life. Business up front, party in the back, Mississippi mud flap, Tennessee top hat, and I'm going to tell you, that dude is really, really funny. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I've had a lot of conversations with a whole lot of people about a whole lot of mullets. This one's an all-timer. Words, sayings, or just a way of life? The bowl cut plus the mullet, the bullet. <laughs> this is Hillbillyisms. All right, y'all, a special guest today has decided to grace us with his presence here on the Marty Smith's America podcast. Many of you saw his amazing debut on national television, at least I believe it to be his debut. For all I know, he might have been an extra in Baywatch or something. Uh, you guys all saw Jeffrey, uh, my man Mudflap, on The Price is Right when he had a near-perfect bid in the showcase showdown. Uh, extremely impressive effort, sir. To win the prices right that day. So first things first, we got to discuss your celebrity. How has your life changed since you were on the prices right? Oh man, it didn't change too much. You know, I, I truly love my life. I have a lot of fun. Um, and we, we did just go downtown, you know, walking around down in Anchorage. We had a little fur Rodney party and walking down around town and hear people, Hey, price is right. Mullet man, you hear people hollering it out. Um, I, I've had a, a lot of contacts with a, with a lot of different people who, on a lot of different mediums, saw the show or, or saw a snippet of the show. Um, and it's, it, it, it has been pretty funny that uh, a fat man with a mullet has uh, garnered so much attention from this this one little episode. Man, you we got to run through the play by play on on when you when Drew Carey noted that that you had won the showcase showdown. You run out. Actually, I don't even want. To, I want you to describe that display of tremendous athleticism for us. <laughs> Recount how you reacted. Yeah. All right. Well, first of all, I bid twenty two thousand one nineteen because my wife was born 
uh, January 19th. So that was her number. I wanted to bid $22,500. Didn't think $400 would matter. But if I'd have bid twenty two five, I would have won both showcase showdowns. Um, as it was, I was off by $497, which was still a pretty good bid. I was super excited. Gave a, gave a handshake to Drew, big hug to my buddy over there. Left off the stage and was losing the shoe, and my fat body just rolled right over. I hit the ground, and I'm like, well, now I'm laying on the ground. I got to do something. I ain't never done the worm before and didn't do a great job at it, but, but did one little buck and jumped up. My shoe fell off, and uh, as I was running over to Amber, if you actually watch the clip, you can see her look at me and go, good recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, you did. You threw a shoe, man. I mean, you, you completely threw a shoe. Now I'm wondering, did you just happen to leave your jorts at the house? Where were the jorts? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I wasn't shooting hoops or nothing. So, so I was sporting <laughs> the aces. They were pretty new and shiny. So, uh, and it's pretty funny. They got a good close up of that shoe. I'm waiting for aces to call me, man. They need to throw me a phone. They got a lot of good, uh, a lot of good free TV press right there with a good close-up of their shoe laying on the ground, and it wasn't a blowout like Nike's with uh, Zion or anything like that. <laughs> How uh, So for those of you who have not seen my man Mudflap's plumage, it's solidly down mid-back. I mean, it's been there a minute. How long have <laughs> you been growing this? Uh, how long have you been growing this thing? Well, let's put it this way. It's getting ready to be our, our 30-year class reunion back there in North Carolina. When I went to my 20-year high school reunion, I got voted change the least. I had a peach fudge mustache <laughs> and a sweet mullet growing back then um, and still rocking it today, man, just like I told George Grace. Some things don't ever go out of style. How, what, how do people react to that thing? You know, I, I, I get I get both reactions. I get I get the people that love it and the people that think I'm crazy and people say, you need to get a different haircut. You know, I'm going to make fun of you because of your haircut. I'm like, dude, I've been sporting this thing for like 28 years. If I couldn't take the jokes, I'd get a different haircut. But you tell me a joke I ain't heard, and I'll give you $50 because I done heard them all. I love it. <laughs> how, how has – okay, so we all know that the party in the back has maintained consistency. What about the business up front? How, how much change has the business up front gone through? Did you ever have any lines shaved in the sides or maybe some some perm action going up top? What's been the evolution of the business up front? It, it's pretty much relatively been the same. I go for the 1090, you know, 10% in front, 90% in back. But every now and again, you get that crazy haircut. I had this girl cutting my hair up, up here in, uh, up by the Dolly National Park. And, man, you know, it's a mullet. It don't take that long to cut. She's a pretty girl. She's laying on me. She keeps cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. I'm letting her cut. I don't care, you know. And finally I get up and can look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, God. Again, I go for the 1090. I had like a 397. I had basically a crew cut on top and the, and the big old mullet in the back. And I don't got a forehead. I got a five head, man. I need some bangs. She's like, well, you don't like your haircut? I'm like, well, I'll probably like it in two or three weeks when I get some bangs back. But I put my hat on, went back to our wrapping outpost, told my boys, I'm like, get your cameras, boys. They're like, what are you talking about? I took my hat off. I think I had two or three of them hit the ground. They were laughing so hard. But, you know, it's only hair. It grows back. So it's been mostly the same. But, you know, you get you get those crazy looks every now and again. How did you end up in Alaska as a Carolina boy? How's that work? Well, I wanted to climb Denali since I was 12 years old. Uh, loved Alaska. I mean, it's Alaska. And uh, I'm a Whitewater River guy. I've been guiding boats for a long time. And I uh, finally got the opportunity to come up here in 2010. And uh, for, for like eight years, I lived up here in the summer, traveled for October and November. And then I ended up in, in Aspen, Colorado for the winter. <clears throat> and then I uh, finally moved up here year-round this, this past year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and bought a little condo up here, but man, it's Alaska. It's an incredible state. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's got the rivers for me. It's got the mountains for me. You know, it's it got a little bit of everything. Sun all summer, kind of dark in the winter, but uh, you get through it and just keep keep on, man. It's a beautiful day out today. So if if somebody wants to come, it, it, like uh, hang out with you and you be their guide, like shout out your company or whatever. How, how do they do that? I work for Ninana Raft Adventures, 
It's real easy to remember. NRA, the guy I work for, there's, there's a reason why the initials of the <laughs> NanoRap Adventures are NRA. But uh, I'm up right outside the Nolly National Park. Uh, it's where I'm at now. Uh, it's a great fun river. It's not nothing super crazy. Big class three and class four white water. Uh, please come see me, man. I have a lot of fun. I, I tell people every day you got to smile and enjoy every day as much as you can. You never know what day is going to be your last. Life's too short to be angry, man. Have fun. Let's go rafting. Come up, so, hang out. Let's go party, man. So producer Travis tells me that your uncle is NASCAR legend Buddy Baker. What? <laughs> yeah, so my father my father was born in uh in, in Charlotte and raised in Charlotte and uh his sister's Colleen Baker, and she was Buddy's high school sweetheart, and and uh, they got married, had their had their boys, my cousins, and uh, so I wish I wish I'd have gotten to see more of the racing side, but uh, you know, definitely grew up and going to races, and you know, Buddy wasn't around a whole lot, but it was always fun as a kid going over to their house because they always had all the cool go karts and the pool tables and foosball tables and. Seeing all his Coca Cola six hundred and all his different trophies and uh yeah, it was uh it was pretty cool. And you know, Buddy's got, got two records that are that are pretty pretty impressive. You know, he won the Daytona five hundred nineteen eighty, the fastest time ever. And then also he was the first man to ever do two hundred miles an hour in a stock car. And uh, he he liked that record the best because can't nobody else ever beat first. He was the first one to do two hundred miles an hour. Somebody might break the fastest time at Daytona. Probably not, but they might. But uh, yeah, man, man, it was uh, it was always good times for sure. My man Mudflap knows him some NASCAR. I'm impressed with your <laughs> wealth of knowledge about Buddy Baker's career. I mean, I guess when it's your uncle, it's somewhat obvious that you might know. But uh, all right, I'll get you out of here on this. We are huge fans of mid '80s late 80s, early 90s, NWA wrestling around the Marty Smith's America podcast. I went on a whole five-and-a-half-minute diatribe last week about the greatest mullets in the NWA, whether that was Flair or the Rock and Roll Express. You know, Ricky and Robert had some dope mullets. Mud flap. Yep. I imagine being a Carolina boy, you almost had to have been a fan like we are of the NWA back in the day. Which oh, man, no doubt, most no doubt. impresses I, I you? Man, Ric Flair, just because he's Ric Flair. But like you said, the Rock and Roll Express, those guys. Dusty Rhodes was always my man. He didn't sport the mullet. But, uh, you know, and I, and I do the holler for Ric Flair. Woo! Um, so he, he, he did have a nice mullet. It was, uh, it was great growing up in North Carolina back in the eighties, man. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, and, uh, wrestling was definitely a big part of it, man. Uh, we went to the Dorton arena quite, quite often and awesome. watched the Russians and Rick Flair and Dusty Rhodes and Dusty win some and lose some, but he was always there. Son of a plumber, baby. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> you, uh. You enjoy that showcase showdown haul you got. I bet you're riding that motorcycle around everywhere if you pay taxes on it yet. Yeah, I will be this summer, man. It's still a little icy out right now, but yeah, man, this summer up by Denali National Park, I'll be cruising. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good times out there. I like to have a lot of fun, and that was uh, that was a big fun day for sure. Thanks for the laughs, brother. Appreciate you, man. Keep rocking that thing. You got it, man. Thanks a lot for uh, for having me on and. Uh, I love my life! Woo! Thanks, Marty. Travis and I have spent our entire day belly laughing. Whether it's the mullet that my man Jeffrey rocks, and all of his wonderful stories about Buddy Baker. Who knew? Of course the guy's Buddy Baker's nephew. Of course he is. Like, how does that happen? That we stumble upon a guy with a mullet, and oh yeah, he also has ties to the racing world. Because us. That's why. It's just what we do. All we need is McGee here to uh, to complete the triumvirate, or the quartet, I guess, as it were. Not only was that dude funny, I mean, I, I just I, if you guys have not seen the clip, get on YouTube and find it. The dude does the worm. He blows out of his shoe. Uh, the hug with the Barker's Beauty was a little bit awkward, maybe more than a little bit awkward. She might have been scared of what might be hiding in that hair. I don't know, but it was something else. 
and the laughter continued for the next 40 minutes or whatever when Pat called in. This is my conversation with Pat McAfee, former Indianapolis Colts punter, former West Virginia Mountaineer, current comedian. Check it out. It is a pleasure to have the legend Pat McAfee on the Marty Smith America podcast. I actually had the great opportunity to meet Pat at the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500 a couple years ago when he chose to sponsor his buddy Connor Daly in the race. And I realized instantly he's as loony as I am, and I knew we'd get along just fine, brother. I appreciate your time. Hey, thank you so much for having me on there. And that 100th running of the Indy 500, Hootie sang the national anthem. I believe there were some Kardashians on board there. <laughs> and uh, I started a company, shirtsforamerica.com, to sponsor my friend, Connor Daly, who didn't have a car or a sponsor in a race, like a week before the race started. You let us get on ESPN. I'm very thankful for that. We eventually got crashed out by a Russian guy. We didn't win, but incredible experience, and it was nice getting to chat with you, a real Southern legend. Okay, so so basically what you're telling me is this T-shirt empire that you've built that I see on your Twitter feed selling T-shirts like hotcakes basically is a result of my endorsement. Um, well, the company that you endorsed definitely went bankrupt. I mean, that one, shirtsforamerica.com, definitely ended up in the red after our couple months run there to get Connor Daly in there. But this new merch store we got going is doing pretty well, and I think you would be um, a great model for our merch. So I'm just going to start hucking them your way. Handsome southern gentleman wearing our T-shirts would be a beautiful thing. And you're basically the start of it, so it's good news. I've recently been compared to, speaking of modeling, so there's been this movement that uh, some some ladies feel like I look like Adam Levine. Uh, I'll take it. I don't necessarily see it myself, but I will take it. And then uh, last evening during the Oscars, uh, it was tweeted that uh, Ryan Seacrest looked like me uh, on a bender or something. And mm. they, uh, yeah, they compared me to somebody else. I don't know. So I, I, like, I have a celebrity thing going on these days, I guess, Pat. I mean, nice little compliments to yourself there, by the way. Just saying two incredibly attractive people uh, are being said to look like you. I think it's spot on, by the way. I'm currently looking at all the photos that you posted on your Twitter, at Marty Smith ESPN, be kind, work hard. The rest yep. takes care of itself. Incredible motto by you. But you are a handsome devil, and I think folks were 100% spot on. You and Seacrest look like you guys could be brothers, and that is not a bad thing. I think you should feel good about that. I think i got to have at least a foot on that dude, right? Yeah, he's a tiny little fella. I mean, he was doing those interviews, holding those microphones straight up in the air to like six-foot <laughs> tall people. He is a... Small little fella, but I think he's worth a, a hundred or two hundred million. So I was gonna say he can stand on his wallet. He can stand on his wallet and be just fine. <laughs> so I saw where you proposed to your girlfriend recently in front of this majestic waterfall. Let's start right there, brother. I noticed you that that, that you went jorts and sleeveless, so I couldn't be uh-huh. more impressed with the proposal motif. How'd that go down? Well, I appreciate you noticing that. The um there's a lot of talk on whether or not I'd be able to get the jorts into these monumental moments of my life. I'm a big jorts wearer. Uh, and somehow it slipped through there. And forever's a long time. So the engagement process and thinking about proposing to my lady, we've been together for three years. At the beginning, there a little, but like three years we've been together. Uh, the pressure, we've known each other for 10 years. The pressure was on. It was a full-court press from all sides. I mean, my friends, her friends, my family, her family, listeners of my show, followers on the Internet, the pressure was on, and I just had to do it. And uh, it was it was a poop or a grumpy or get-off-the-pot situation, and <laughs> I pulled the trigger there, and it just so happened to be on a vacation in Hawaii in front of this waterfall with a helicopter, and it turns out, that that's like a really romantic way to do it, I guess. And uh, I've been getting a lot of compliments. But to be honest, it's just my lady is uh, like a godsend to me. So she deserved to be put on full-time scholarship there. And uh, I'm happy that it worked out the way it did. And people found it to be a bit entertaining and romantic at the same time. Look, bro, guys like you and me who go full tilt. 24-7, 365, who need a little bit of help. We need a good lady. I have been married for nearly 19 years to 
a stunningly beautiful person who puts up with my crap and has put up with my crap. And so I congratulate you that you have found one who will tolerate you and champion your idiocy as I have. I don't think I've ever heard anybody hit a target as square (laughs) as you just did there. Champion my idiocy is a beautiful way to describe what my lady can do. It's not, hey, listen, you've been a big part of this t-shirt business and big part of my life. That's not a bad line right there, Marty. I think I'm going to have to make it happen, but you're 100% right. She holds down the fort and holds my whole life together. So very thankful, and I hope we can make it much like the Smith clan, 19, 20 years. That'd be great. So you work for the WWE now. What are you doing? Well, they got me on a microphone, you know, just spewing my idiocy to uh, (laughs) the people on the Internet. They got me commentating a little bit for pre-shows making some content on the internet. It's not a full-time gig. I'm just a contributor for them. Um, but it's just, we, we, we both are trying to feel out how it goes. They have huge hopes and aspirations for me, as do I. But right now, it's kind of like, let's walk before we run. And uh, just going to make some content for them, be at some events. I'm going to be down at their performance center in Orlando monthly making stuff and just kind of see where the hell it all goes. But I've been a fan my entire life, so getting to make some stuff with them and get to meet everybody has just been a dream come true, and hopefully uh, I can help them continue to take over the world forever. What are your hopes and aspirations? I just want to be the United States champion. That's it. I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to be intercontinental, WWE, heavyweight, anything like that. I just want to be the champion of the United States from Maine to Miami and Jupiter, Florida, where they have a lot of things going on at the moment, all the way to Southern California, in the northernmost tip of Washington, Hawaii, and Alaska, and all the towns in between. I want to be the champion for them. But right now, I am on a microphone because I have no clue if I can ever get in good enough shape to get in the ring, if I'm tough enough to get in the ring. Uh, But that is the ultimate goal, obviously, at the end of the day. You meet Vince McMahon yet? I Okay. So my first TakeOver pre-show, NXT TakeOver pre-show, was WrestleMania weekend. And they had me come down a couple of days beforehand, kind of show me around, introduce me to people. Michael Cole was introducing me to people. He's the guy who got me in. He's a hero of a man. I mean, not enough good things can be said about Michael Cole from me, and not enough good things about Michael Cole are said by anybody. But he's taking me around. I introduced me to Triple H. I'm like, holy hell, conversation with Triple H this is really cool. <laughs> He and I are talking, good conversation. Then all of a sudden, a man walks in with what seems to be a couple thousand dollars suit on. Uh, shakes my hand. I am Pat McAfee. Almost pooped my pants and then he just walked away. So it was less than a <laughs> second and a half interaction. But I, I have shaken the hand of the man that has built the WWE into the juggernaut it is today. Did he look at you with those crazy, like, super beady eyes and scare the hell out of you? You did say you almost cracked yeah. yourself. Yeah. I, I'm a, I looked. I'm a handshaker, too. Like, I'll shake a hand and look right in the eyes, too, you know, because my dad thought me as right. a child. Like, yes, like, hey, look. And that happened, and that moment did happen. It felt like he was just staring right through me. He had no idea why I was shaking his hand, who I was, or why his <laughs> life would, led him to that moment right there. But he was excited to move on and get, get rid of me, and that happened. But I can say that we shook hands and made eye contact. It's a beautiful thing. What did you and Triple H discuss? Everything. I mean, he runs the NXT, which is where I'm doing a lot of my work. So at the beginning, I don't get starstruck much. You know, once you shower with the likes of Adam Vinatieri and Peyton Manning and all these people (laughs) and you you befriend these megastars, you realize that everybody poops the same. You know, there's everybody has to sit down to poop. Everybody wipes their butt. Everybody. We're all humans here. We just have different jobs. So I don't get starstruck much. But when I met Triple H, it was quite a moment for me because uh, the Attitude Era growing up shaped my life pretty heavily. Degeneration X, huge part of it. And I've always been a gigantic fan. And people have always said we look similar. So much like you look like Ryan Seacrest and Brad Pitt and Bradley Cooper and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and all these people. I've only been said one person my entire life, Triple H. So getting to meet him, it was like you gotta, I had to get past the starstruck phase and then we started talking business and content and the future of the WWE and what I could do. And it turned into a very professional conversation. And I, I don't think he'd ever say we are friends, but I'd like to think that 
at some point in the next coming years. We might be friends, Marty, and that's a cool thing. So I went on, took Laney last week on an amazing vacation with our friends. We left the country for a few days, enjoyed the sunshine down in the islands. But as a result of that, I missed a very amazing engagement the other night, that being Ric Flair's 70th birthday. And when I saw the people that were there, I just went, damn it. That would have been unbelievable to attend. Did you get to go? No, I was about to say, did you get a relate? Uh, did you get an invitation yeah. to that and then decide oh, not yeah. to go? The wondrous Wendy invited me. I couldn't go. I was uh, I was out of the country or on my way back into the country, as it were. But I texted Rick. I told him happy birthday, and I'd make oh. it to him. It looked like an unbelievable experience. Um, what's the most interesting? What thing a name! Learned- hey. What a name drop by you, by the way. I just texted Ric Flair. No big deal. What a legend, Marty Smith. What an absolute legend. Texting with Ric Flair. Yeah, he's the man, dude. He's Ric Flair. He's Ric freaking Flair. And I actually got to know him. I'm so impressed by you just texting him and sexting him. That's incredible. Well, get this. You want to hear something really weird? So I was at the College Football National Championship a couple months ago in uh, Santa Clara, California, and I'm sitting in the ESPN work area for the game, and I'm going through my notes, preparing for my next live shot or whatever. Phone's buzzing. So I grab the phone, and it is Ric Flair asking me for Jesse Palmer's phone number. And so Jesse happened to be sitting beside me, and I went, this is weird as hell. I got the greatest of all time asking me for the bachelor's phone number. What the hell kind of world do I live in? Is this, a, is this a, like the fifth dimension? What's going on here? Uh, but I got tied with I got tied with Rick because of Michigan football because I went overseas with Harbaugh and those guys a couple times. Hope to again this year. Uh, and and uh, Rick and Harbaugh are boys. They they uh, Rick's a big Michigan football fan. So that was pretty cool. Oh, I didn't you know, know him. I got to be in his thirty for thirty, which was one of the pleasures of my life. Super cool. He's the man, dude. Like he, like he will send a text. Speaking of texting with him, he will send a text and all it says is, woo, always with five O's. He, he told me that is the, those are the parameters, five O's always. That's incredible. That's beautiful. And that birthday party that you missed because you're out of the country, probably with Elon Musk or something, looked like <laughs> an electric collection of human beings. I, I, Vince McMahon was there. Vince McMahon was there. There was a bunch of people there. And when you're Ric Flair, that's the type of stuff that happens when you survive and make it to 70. He deserves all of it. But I was not invited. Uh, I would have loved to have gone. Why did Rich Rod ever leave West Virginia? I don't know, man. He um, The year before he left, I think almost to the date, it was rumored that he was going to Alabama. Like It was even on ESPN, his picture with the A behind it. I remember like it was yesterday, a lot of us were uh, potentially out at a bar, and we see that he's going to Alabama. We turn it into a little bit of a celebration, you know, because playing for Rich Rodriguez, very hard, very difficult. He's a dictator by nature when it comes to the football thing. So we did a little celebration, and we all show up at the meeting the next morning that popped up out of nowhere. His whole family's there. The media's there. Uh, We're all pretty hungover, and he says, Basically, like, I'm not going anywhere. It's like the speech from Wolf of Wall Street and dismisses all of us. And then a year later, same thing happens, pops up on ESPN that he's going to Michigan. We don't celebrate as hard because we got uh, hoodwinked the year before. And then we go in there. He announces he's leaving. He disappears forever. I, I never talked to him ever again after that. And for me, I kind of – we all kind of knew that our team at West Virginia – wasn't filled with a bunch of five-star blue-chip recruits. I mean, we were guys that fell to West Virginia almost. We didn't have a lot of options. And the way he coached and the way he handled things, it was very, you know, he was tough. It was very, very tough. So we always wondered when he went to Michigan where those guys got options, if the way he talked to people and treated people was going to pan out and if it was going to work whenever somebody could just leave Michigan and go to Ohio State or any school that they want, basically. And we all found out that it didn't work. So uh, it was kind of expected from those of us that have played for a Rich Rodriguez team. But I think outside, if you look in, Rich Rodriguez going to Michigan, that's a top-five program. He thought it was his big home run success, but he didn't think about the actual human 
process of it all, which is, I mean, those dudes had options. We did not. So I don't know if he adjusted or had to change much, but we didn't think his style was going to work well at Michigan. And turns out we were right, but he won a bunch of games with us and we are forever indebted to him for it. Doesn't sound like he was very popular with you guys. No, 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 no. He didn't want to be, he wanted us to hate him, you know, like that was, he wanted us to fear him, hate him. There was not really like, uh, hey, we're all in this together thing. It was like, uh, hey, I mean, he was he was wide open. He did not want us to like him. That's why people ask me what he's like. There's been a lot that's come out about him since uh, him leaving the game or how he left the game and stuff like that. But it was very obvious as players he did not want us to like him. So it's not like I can judge him as a – human because as a coach player thing he wanted us to hate him and that was obvious is there a story you can share about that approach uh i mean it was every day with him. it was just he was not a happy human it was just the i've never seen somebody put together so many swear words in such a beautiful sentence uh until i heard rich rodriguez speak or yell at somebody it was he was piecing together words that you would never think would be pieced together and it made complete sense that the person was an ass, but it was just with many other words. I mean, the guy was just, when I say this, I mean this, I think he wanted us to hate him. The way we watched film, the way he would call people out, the things he would say to people, the workouts, just everything was just like, uh, it was like a boot camp for three and a half years for, for me when I was playing for him, and that's just kind of how it was. Share the story. I love the story about how you wound up at West Virginia. Share the story about yeah. how you got a scholarship there. Yeah, so I had more colleges and universities looking at me for soccer, way more for soccer than I did for football. And it was kind of a business conversation that my family and I had to have where if you want to get rich in soccer, which is all I ever wanted to do, I wanted to get rich to take care of my family. I come from a working class family. Dad was a truck driver at one point. Mom a secretary. It's just to get rich in soccer, you got to go overseas. I wanted to be rich in America, and I could, my first time kicking a football, I kicked a 60-yard field goal. So a bit of a business decision was made in high school where a lot of my focus was on soccer. I, I didn't go to much football practice. I would just show up on Fridays during games, but Kent State offered me a scholarship, and that was the first time we, my family and I sat down. We're like, well, maybe this football thing's for real. And uh, I went to Kent State, went on a, a visit. They were the only school to offer me uh, for a long time. And I committed. I was like, you know what? Go kick at Kent State for a few years. Hopefully make it to the NFL. I got a stronger leg than everybody right now. I feel pretty good about it. And then like a month before signing day, I get a call from uh, a Florida phone number. His name was Mike McCabe. He was putting on a kicking camp. Basically, a week from then, like a couple weeks before signing day, a week from when he called me in Miami, and he had this group of guys that he trained year-round, and he, he wanted them to compete against guys from out of state, and there will be a bunch of college coaches and all this stuff. And for me, I love competition. I love the thought of competing and showing off my leg because I knew that I could kick a ball far, but I didn't know if other people could too. They sent me an email and had the price on it all together with the flight hotel in the camp it was like 1500 bucks. And it was a week from that moment. So I went home and I, I told my dad and mom that I wanted to go to this camp. And my dad basically told me to go fornicate myself. Um, <laughs> he, was like, he was like, listen, you already got a scholarship to Kent state. We are not paying $1,500 for you to travel down to Florida to possibly kick balls and get seen by another coach. So that was at the time when ESPN had World Series of Poker on every single night. Chris Moneymaker had won sure. the, the championship, won $7 million, And my entire town, and I think every town that surrounded us, got all in on poker. My friends would have games in their garage, in their basement. Almost every night I was playing in some low-level poker game, trying to make some more money so I could buy extras at the cafeteria. And I had heard about this game in the basement of this Italian restaurant. It had a little bit of a bigger pot. There was more people playing in it. So I went and played in it. I borrowed 100 bucks from one of my wealthier friends. I went and played in it. I flipped it into 1400 bucks. Uh, asked my dad for the extra 100 bucks. Flew down to the camp in Miami on a Friday. They didn't let me kick on Friday, so I called my dad that night. You know, I was like, they didn't even let me kick. He laughs at me. Tells me, like, yeah, that's what you get. Hey, this is a waste of money. I knew it. Then on Saturday, they let me kick a little bit. Uh, I somehow make it into the finals on Sunday. 
uh, in that uh, the finals of the field goal competition, you kick from like a 20-yard field goal on the left hash and 25, 30, 35, 40, all the way back. And then if you hit a 50-yarder, you go back to 55. You hit a 55-yarder, you go back to 60 and so on. I made it all the way back to 65 yards. Then I missed the 70-yard field goal wide right. And then I had to get on a plane to get back home immediately. So I left the stadium right after doing that. I guess what had happened was a lot of the coaches saw me do this, got very excited. The next morning, Tony Gibson from West Virginia showed up in my cafeteria, offered me a scholarship right there at school, and I said, you know what, I'm in. It was only 90 minutes from my house. A lot of my friends used to go there and party. I enjoyed everything about it. And I was like, yep, I'm in. And I ended up going to WVU because of a lucky, lucky night of poker, some great cards, holding off a couple big sharks in the table, and then kicking the hell out of some footballs in Miami with the one-on-one kicking folks. And here I go, West Virginia, and now we're off and running. The American dream. Kids, gamble. Don't let anybody tell you different. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's a perfect role model situation, but I was damn sure going to make sure I got myself down to that camp and see what I could do. And the call with Kent State was terrible. I had to call and tell them I wasn't going to go there anymore. Got yelled at. uh, And then I just went to West Virginia, and that's all she wrote. I got very lucky to ride the coattails of Pat White, Steve Slayton, Darius Renato, and Schmidt. And, uh, just kind of had a great four years, and then Bill Polian drafted me out of nowhere to punt. And it's my life is just one big string of incredibly lucky events, Marty. And I don't have, I'm not friends with Ric Flair, but I'm a lucky <laughs> son. Listen, you don't, I don't believe in luck, Pat. I don't believe in it, man. Are people blessed? Yes. Do they have God's favor? Yes. But there's a reason. You don't just fall into these things, it was your path. And you had some very fortuitous opportunities, and when that barn door was cracked, you kicked the some down. I don't consider Let's that go. luck. I don't consider that luck. I don't believe in it. I just don't. This has been said because I I mentioned that I'm lucky a lot, and I get a lot of these don't. responses from from successful people. By the way, it's normally a lot of successful people are like, no, no, no. The one person told me I'm fortunate. Uh, Luck would mean that I didn't put any work in it. It would be fortunate. You, being a Southern gentleman, blessed. It sounds so good coming out of your lips there. <laughs> I think that is 100% accurate. Uh, you're right. I'm just I, – I, I try to go for everything, and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. But I've been very fortunate and blessed that the situations have swung in my favor that have been pretty pivotal in the direction of how I get here. If I ever have a VO to do and I'm not able to make that appointment, I'm just going to call you. Good? Hi, this is Marty Smith here, friends with Ric Flair. You know the deal, <laughs> damn it. I would like to tell you that NASCAR and racing vehicles and human resource videos are just better when I'm talking. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows when the handsome Ryan Seacrest-looking-ass man is on the microphone, something magical is about to happen, and that's why I'm Marty Smith. Follow me at Marty Smith ESPN. (laughs) All right, signed, sealed, and delivered. I love it. Hey, what's the wildest (laughs) thing you ever saw at West Virginia University? I don't know. Those are, I mean, those are insane. We won a lot. So there was a lot of celebrating. I mean, that was back whenever the burning of couches became a notable thing for WVU because we had a lot to celebrate. Our basketball team was great. We won four straight bowl games, two BCS games. I mean, it just – we partied pretty hard there, man. I think that's why our team was so good because we were tight, we grew, we learned, we got old with each other, and we also partied together. And I don't think that could be understated. So by craziness, I'm not – I think probably the craziest thing is you know that Walking on Broken Glass song? Yeah, man. Annie Lennox, right? I think so. What, 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 that whole thing. Yeah. I was at a yeah. party at West Virginia. I forget. We won a game, so the entire city was ready to go. It was on like an off street. And as soon as it cracked midnight, Country Roads played everywhere. That's the way it is at West Virginia. Because, of course. And then right after Country Roads played, this entire street, it was like, Five houses on the left side of the street, five houses on the right side. It was a block. They all just started blasting that walking on broken glass song, and everybody just started hucking bottles onto the street. I've never seen anything like it. It was like hundreds and hundreds of bottles just getting tossed onto the street. There was no cars there. It was like it was their thing. It was like that block thing. And I think that was the first time in my life I ever looked around and was like, this is some wild shit. 
This is some really wild stuff out there. Just hucking bottles from like second floors, just right on the middle of the street. It was just like, psh, psh, psh. that was probably the most insane thing I'd ever been a part of in my life. I was like, who's cleaning this up? Who's going to clean all this glass up? And uh, I got out of there before anybody had to clean it up, thank God. What does an NFL punter do to prepare? How do you how do you be, make sure you're great? Well, everything just like a golfer or a pitcher or any specialist type position where it's muscle memory and stuff like that, in between your ears has to be great. So mentally tough is a real thing and the only way you get mentally tough is by reps. I think confidence comes from repetition and believing in yourself. So for me, I just had to take a lot of reps. I had to practice a lot. I had to make sure that I Going into a game, I had full confidence in what I was doing because once you start doubting yourself in any of those specialist positions, you're in a bad spot. So for me, it was always about keeping the confidence up, which came from repetition, a lot of lifting. And aside from that, I played a lot of cornhole, too, in the locker room to take up the time while everybody else is watching <laughs> films. <laughs> I saw this Natterday thing. Dude, it's brilliant. Like, Natty Light is the official beer of the South. I say it all the time, okay? That story you told about Peyton Manning made me about piss my pants. Like, I was cracking <laughs> up. So I implore those of you listening to go to Pat's uh, Twitter page and check it out, Pat McAfee Show, and you can hear that Peyton Manning story there. It is brilliant. I want you to tell me another great Peyton Manning story that is original to the Marty Smith's America podcast. Well, Marty, I wish I had another one that was anywhere near that. I it's mean, great. That story, that story is just such a perfect story because it fits everything that is the Peyton Manning brand. I mean, he was being a nice guy by asking me to come on this trip. He was being a, a, a true teammate by involving me in that and then him predicting the future is just a beautiful thing. I mean, it's, I was very lucky to be teammates with Peyton Manning. I was very lucky to watch him uh, work so I could learn how to be a better pro myself. I got a chance to meet the entire Manning family on numerous occasions. And I'm telling you, I, I'm not sure there are any other Manning stories that the Marty Smith ESPN podcast, USA, whatever the, whatever the <laughs> official title is, um, that would do this any favors or do you any bumps like that. Just know that uh, he was the man and he was such a good teammate. I think that gets undervalued uh, how he was in the locker room. He was just a guy you'd want to drink beers with. And I got to drink beers with, and uh, I'm lucky for that. But I'll tell you what, he enjoyed how fast I could chug a beer. And that's how I knew he was a real one. Whenever uh, he found out that I could chug a beer faster than most people I think that's when our friendship really started to go. And Natural Light, also the official beer of West Virginia University. So me and Natty Light have been together a long time, doing a lot of great things. And I'm absolutely honored that they uh, let me help them launch their Natter Days, which is a brand-new, deliciously refreshing strawberry lemonade beer that just goes down so damn smooth. It is not a replacement to the OG Natty Light, but it is definitely a damn good sidekick for those mornings or brunches or even just a nice hot night. Uh, is a beautiful thing. One more thing, and I'll get you out of here. And I, I have to get the play-by-play on this, dude, because when I heard this story, I was crying in laughter. If I would have known you at the time, I would have called you or texted you like Ric Flair. All right. So Respect. Your boy, Adam Vinatieri, is being interviewed by the media. And you want to take a picture of your boy being oh. interviewed by the media. Well, it just so happens, uh, happens that Captain Luck is in the background naked as a jaybird. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I want to know what it was like for you when you realized that was the case and this was out there disseminated to the whole world. Yeah, it was terrible. It was a terrible moment in my life, Marty. Excited to talk about it. Um, yeah, so Adam Vinatieri was having – an incredible career, incredible year, as he always does. And he, every time, because he's Adam Vinatieri, every time we get a win, not a lot of media members go up to other kickers and punters, but Adam Vinatieri is always questioned by media. And after this playoff game, he had like a cardigan on with a dress shirt, and he had his towel on underneath with flippers on the bottom, right? So it was the mullet of outfits. It was business on top, towel party on the bottom. 
And I loved everything about it. I was like, look at this dude, man. So I take the picture. I post it. Let's go have a lot of fun. Let's enjoy the hell out of this win. I'm driving home. My dad gets a call in the back of the car, laughs about it, hangs up. I'm like, who was it? He tells me that it was uh, my aunt. And he goes, yeah, apparently you posted a picture of Luck naked. And I was like, what? I like, stopped the car. I start, my mouth starts sweating. Like, you know, when you're going to puke, your mouth starts sweating. <laughs> that started to happen. I had no idea. I go to Twitter real quick. I tap on the picture. And I just do a couple little zoom-ins. And right there in the back, like Bigfoot, blurry in a photo, <laughs> is a naked Andrew Luck. And I deleted that photo as soon as I saw that I had put it out. But, boy, that photo was already gone. I mean, that thing was gone. I think you guys at ESPN had posted it a few times, calling me an idiot punter. I believe it was on CNN, Fox <laughs> had it. I think every it was everywhere, absolutely everywhere. It was a nightmare. So I had to call Luck like 5,000 times. I wanted to be the one to break the news to him. Obviously, I'm a gentleman. And he finally answers after like the 100th phone call. His phone was off. His flip phone was off. Finally turns it on. I have this conversation with him. I compliment how good he is at football early. You know, the classic <laughs> butter him up front. Like, let him know how good he looks. His, uh, his beard is incredible. Such a good football game. What a good win. You're the best football player I, I've ever seen. I'm just buttering him up, buttering him up. And then he asked me, like, what's going on? And I tell him, and he asked me, like, "Is my can you see my fornicator? And I'm like, no, actually, a guy's hands are covering up your fornicator. He's like, can you see my ass? I'm like, no, no, the guy's forearm's covering that up. But it's a lot of thigh, Andrew. It's a lot of thigh and a lot of your upper body. I want to let you know that I am so sorry. And he's like, uh, oh, don't even worry about it, man. Forget about it. I'm like, you're the coolest dude ever. So I told him I deleted it, but a lot of people had seen that photo. You know, I'm like, I deleted it, but I want to let you know a lot of people have seen that photo, Andrew. A lot of people. And I think if I would have just gone into portrait mode instead of landscape i think it wouldn't have caught you so that's a tactical error on my part but i want to let you know it's bad he goes don't worry about it. don't forget about it the colts did not forgot about it they find me the next day a lot of money i played for free and then we moved forward but it was the top five worst moments of my life i thought i was getting cut i thought andrew luck was going to hate me forever and honestly i thought his penis was potentially being spread on the internet very thankful for that guy's hands covering him up in the photo in a perfectly timed photo. Uh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm I'm I am terribly sorry that this You're not. is a tra- traumatic moment in your life, dude. Your recollection of it is fun, funny as hell. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. Classic. And I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. I'm not sure if he hates me. Uh, still, I don't think he does. He always plays it off as if he doesn't. But boy. What a terrible way for he and I to really start our friendship. Uh, I don't think he hates you. I think you're all good. He does not seem like – look, I've never met Andrew. I've never talked to Andrew. I've never interviewed Andrew. But he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who really cares about that kind of thing. Nicest guy of all time, and I mean that. Nicest guy of all – smartest dude I've ever talked to, probably the nicest guy I've ever talked to. I can't understand a word he's saying, but we're saying a lot, and uh, I'm very happy he's back and healthy, man. I, uh, man, I have not laughed that much in a while. That was just tremendous. I appreciate you, brother, so much. Your sense of humor and your candor and your perspective is uh, is needed, man. It's good for it's good for us, Captain America. Hey, I, that means a lot. I'm a very I mean, I'm an idiot. I am a full-blown idiot. So I'm thankful that you let me on here. And like I said at the beginning of this, I hope my lady and I can survive 19 years like the Smith clan. And I thank you so much for having me on. You're the man. Told you guys it was funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. That guy has a tremendous sense of humor. What a great storyteller. Travis, brother, I was sitting here wiping tears. I imagine you must have had that mute button pressed the whole time. I was laughing uncontrollably. Good thing I at least have my mic off during the interview so I don't have to worry about it. I can just let it go because that was an all-time interview, not just for our podcast but in general for just hilarity and stupidity. The next time you and me are in Indy, we have to go drink a beer with that dude. Yeah, he's definitely like Mount Rushmore I want to have a beer with, like canned beer too. What can y'all got? I meant to ask him, daggone it, I meant to ask him about drinking with Peyton, like what it's like to drink with Peyton. 
I guess we'll do that next time around. I like it. It makes me happy to learn that Peyton likes his cold beers. That makes me happy, Travis. I already knew that he was the man, first ballot Hall of Famer, king of nationwide insurance. But I didn't know the man liked cold beer that much. We need to find out what kind of beer too. Like this I is a, this is an important thing for us to find out. I wonder. I, I, we need to find that out next week. I'm going to have to have that addendum to this podcast. We got to we got to text Pat. We got to find out what kind of cold beer Peyton Manning likes. And that will be that. That's your cliffhanger for next week. I know all you guys can't. No, no, no. We that. we need to do one better. Having Pat give us information would be good. Having Peyton tell us personally would be better. That's a very good point, Travis. Get on it. Let's get Peyton Manning on the Marty Smith America podcast. For now, we will say thank you so much to Pat McAfee uh, for his candor, for his humor, for his hilarious storytelling, and for his friendship. Travis, great job getting him as always. Travis does such a tremendous job of getting our guests lined up for this podcast and for being such a great friend. Y'all don't understand the importance of what he does. He's the best of the best at what he does. Appreciate Louise for still being crazy enough to give us this platform. She's working hard to make sure that this platform grows. We got uh, we got some stuff coming, and we're thrilled by what's coming. So thank you guys so much for your support of this podcast. It's been a labor of love for Travis and me. We love it. It gives us the opportunity to really dive into these people's lives and learn why they are, who they are, and how they got there. And I meant what I said to Pat, y'all. I don't believe in luck. I think that we make our own luck in so many ways. And I believe in blessings. I do believe in fortune. I think being called fortunate is fair because Travis is very fortunate. I'm very fortunate. I'm the most fortunate person in the world. I have a beautiful wife who puts up with my crap, who loves me despite my mistakes. I have three healthy children who are just tremendous blessings and so precious. I have great friends, uh, great colleagues, a wonderful, rewarding job that is challenging and challenges me every day. And I don't take those things for granted. I bow my head and say thank you to the Lord for those things. And when I do bow my head and say thank you, I'm also thanking the Lord for our military our men and women in uniform that defend our freedom. We are free for a reason, and it is those guys in uniform, both domestically and uh, in foreign lands, every single day waking up to make sure we're free and preserve that freedom, and I'm so appreciative of that. Thanks so much for hanging out. That's the Marty Smith's America Podcast, Volume 44. We'll see you next time around.